0: You're listening to the Hui Kala Baptist Church Podcast coming to you from the heart of Honolulu. Hui Kala is a committed family of faith that loves Jesus and loves one another. Grab your Bible and prepare for preaching from the Word of God from Pastor Anthony King. Turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 5 this morning. We are winding down. Today is the last day in our series entitled Launch Out. We've had uh, nine messages from this passage. If you've missed any of them so far, you can always get caught up at our website at huikala.org. Uh, uh, you can also subscribe to our podcast, or you can download our sweet Huikala app to your smartphone or your tablet uh, and stay caught up that way. Whatever you do, don't miss out on these messages. We've been taking, about, taking a look at the idea of launching out in faith, trusting God for greater things, uh, and Today, we wrap that up with launch out in our outreach. The month of March at Hui We Call a Baptist Church is what we refer to as Reach Month. Uh, Reach Month is a really special month because we encourage every single person to intentionally set up time to have a meal with another person for the express purpose of sharing Jesus. What that means to you is I want you to think of one person this month in the month of March, just one that you can grab coffee with, uh, that you can invite your home, uh, that you can have a meal with. And the whole reason behind setting up this appointment with this person is to share your faith with them. And you say, well, pastor, I'm, I'm super terrified to, to do that. No problem, we've got all the resources that you need for that. On the back table today, we've got a, a whole stack of these books here uh, called Paid in Full. Uh, this is a very, very easy gospel presentation for somebody to read through. Uh, give somebody a book and say, hey, it'll take you 30, 45 minutes tops to read it. I'd encourage you to read it yourself just so that you know what it says, uh, and can give you the tools that you need to be able to share your faith better. But I would encourage you, uh, have some time with another person and say, hey, I just wanna give you one of the most important things I've ever read in my entire life, and I wanna encourage you to read that. If you have any questions, feel free to ask me. Uh, And again, if people have questions, don't be nervous of that. Questions are actually really, really good. Encourage people to ask questions because it causes you to do a little bit of research and causes you to seek for answers, and that's a good thing. But I wanna encourage every person to think of one person mind you if there's i don't know 125 people in the room here today if, if every single one of us took one person uh, to, to lunch or grab coffee with them for the purpose of sharing our faith with them uh, and gave them one of these books. I can't even begin to imagine what God would do uh, through our church. And this is just about being intentional with the gospel. Simple as that. This is called launching out in your faith. Well, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if if, if I have the capability to do that. I promise you this, God will give you all the tools uh, that you need to make that happen. So uh, this is Reach Month. We're gonna be talking about it every single week. Our ushers are gonna have these, uh, a stack of these books on your way out here today uh, to, to hand out. Uh, feel free to take these. Now, mind you, these are no cost to you, but these things cost money. So don't grab 10 of them and throw them in your glove box or 10 of them and leave them uh, in a, a shopping bag somewhere or something like that. Take them as you will use them. Uh, that is an investment in someone else's eternity. And that is a very, very good investment. We have no problem providing these for people who will give them out. If you wanted 10,000 of these and you're guaranteed me give them ten thousand of them, I buy them for you and i give them to you because that's an investment. If you want to take 10 of them and leave them in the the top of your closet for the next three years until you move the next time, please don't do that, okay? Uh, Take these, use them. I promise you it'll be a good investment. Also, in your bulletin, every single week of the world is a, a, who we call it, invitation uh, card. On the back of that is the gospel. You could take that invitation card every single week and give it to another person, and they have enough information on that card to find their way to heaven and to, to be saved through the gospel. So I'd encourage you uh, to be a part of that. We're gonna be talking about this every single week. Begin thinking now about one person that you could share your faith with. Uh, Also, uh, before I forget, we have some uh, resources on the back table. I I mentioned these last week, uh, some Bible books for for beginners and things like that. We got a new shipment of books, and we we sold out of almost every book that we had last week. We have some more back. Uh, There's a a dollar uh, book that basically tells about every book of the Bible, what it's about, things like that. Uh, My favorite one is, uh, I think it's called Bible Truths for Kids or something like that. It's it's $10, and it's some great resources. I don't recommend it just for kids. I recommend it for adults as well. It's a really, really easy way to uh, to get familiar with the Bible. Leave it laying around the house and pick it up. And, uh, and spend some time in, I promise you it'll help you. Those books are on the back table. Uh, the cost is $10 for the big book and a dollar for the, the small books. Uh, th- that's our cost that we pay for those. Anything that we have here for sale is not marked up It's basically what we pay for it to be a resource to you. Uh, so that's available on the back table here today. Uh, you can swipe your card over there to iPad. Uh, you can fill out an envelope and drop it in the offering basket. You can pay online, do whatever you need to do uh, to make sure that you pay for that. But uh, I promise you it'll be a really, really good resource for you. Luke chapter five. Now jumping into the message here this morning. Luke chapter 5, verse number 1. Here we find Jesus calling his very first apostles. Peter, James, and John were the first apostles that Jesus called to follow him full time. Uh, We find him calling them here at the lake uh, of Gennesaret, also known as the Sea of Galilee. Uh, These guys were fishermen. Uh, Peter, James, and John were dudes that uh, went out every single day fishing. That was the the way they put food on the table. That's the way they provided uh, for themselves uh, by fishing. Luke chapter five, starting in verse number one, it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, speaking of Jesus, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. They entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. When he sat down, he taught the people out of the ship. Now when he left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draft. Simon answering, he said unto him, Master, we've toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. When they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. They beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both ships so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, and all that were with him with the draft of fishes that were taken. And so it was also James and John, the son of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. When they brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. Uh, Again, I told you guys before, I I went fishing one time as a kid. My dad took me out there and told me not to make a lot of noise because I would scare off the fish. I just realized later uh, that my dad just didn't want to hear me yammer on all morning about if we were going to catch fish or not. I remember it was really early in the morning. I didn't care much for it. We didn't catch any fish that day that we went out. We just sat uh, in Kentucky Lake on a boat for a while. And I thought it was great as a kid. My dad was not as equally as thrilled as I was. Uh, So my son Vanderlei uh, got to be a little bit older and he began to say, Daddy, I really want to go fishing. And I said, "Your Dad knows nothing about fishing whatsoever. And it just so happened one time we were on vacation in Sedona, Arizona. If you've never been to Sedona before, it's one of the most beautiful places that God has ever created uh, in the entire world. If you can get around the whole like um, uh, the spiritual uh, nonsense that's there of the vibrations and the way the plates come together and the, the vibrations and the spiritual uh, all nonsense of that, if you can get around that and don't go into the crystal shops and stuff like that, beautiful place, beautiful place to enjoy God's creation. What we had found while we were in Sedona, though, was we found a rainbow trout farm. I think we got a photo of it uh, here this morning. Uh, my, My son Vanderlei, we took him to the rainbow trout farm. Look at that little guy, isn't he cute? And so I thought to myself, if we can take a kid to a pond where he can catch fish, this is a no-brainer for me. And so that's exactly what we did. And right, so uh, we, we go there, and they give you a little fishing pole, and it's just a, a piece of bamboo with a string on the end of it and a, and a hook on the end of it. I think we've got some more photos, don't we? Uh, keep cruising through those photos. we got some good ones. Look at us here. Look at that. Let me just, let me just uh, give you a side note here this morning. Every now and then you see somebody with a really good-looking bald head, and you think to yourself, I could totally do that. That would look good on me, Right? And you shave your head only to realize you look like an idiot. This was that moment in my life right here. Um, I have like a really big goose egg on the top of my head. I have a really ugly head, and you realize... It's not as cool as I wanted it to be, right? Uh, And so anyways, he got to to fish out there. And the great thing about it is, is it's one of those places where like when you throw just a hook in the water, like fish fight to get on the hook, right? This is the dumbest thing in the world, but it was genius for me, who knows nothing about fishing whatsoever. Uh, And So finally, Thatcher's got the net there, pulled it up, got his very own fish. I mean, this fish was about this big. And you take it, here's the best part about it. You take it and you drop it off at the counter of your fish when you're done, and they clean it all for you. They put salt and pepper on it and they hand it back to you in tinfoil and they point you over to the grills like hello who doesn't want a fish like that right and so this was the like the best 10 bucks that I'd ever spent in my life uh and so he caught a fish we we grilled the fish and he ate the fish and he said it was the best fish he's ever eaten in his entire life and i truly believe that because he caught it himself and so here's the thing about it it took zero skill whatsoever to catch that fish i mean the this was a trout farm This is what they do. They give you you bait to put on a hook, but you can just throw a hook out there and they'll jump on it. It's one of those things like when you're a kid and you spit in the water and all the fish come after it. It was like that. It was crazy. It wasn't real fishing, though. It took no skill whatsoever. It didn't require anything of us other than we just throw a hook in there. And... For the first probably two minutes, he didn't actually catch anything. He was beginning to wonder, like, am I doing something wrong? Do I need to pull the hook? I said, you just got to be patient. You got to wait. It's going to come, and eventually they did. They swarmed him, and uh, the one that he got was one of them jumping on his hook there. Sometimes when we think about sharing our faith with other people, we think it should be that easy. I'm just going to tell them about Jesus. They're going to ask me how they can be saved, and they're going to just jump in my car on Sunday morning and come to church with me, and it's just going to be that easy. But the problem is when it doesn't work out that way, we begin to ask questions like, "Am I doing something wrong?" Uh, we. Uh, how many people have ever invited somebody to church and they did not come? Raise your hand. All right. Uh, how many people have invited someone to church? They said that they were going to come, but they never actually came. That was you. Raise your hand. This is not an uncommon problem. Uh, every single major event that we have. I invite people to church every single week, but when we have major events like Easter and, and Christmas, and we have our open house Sunday in October and things like that, I, I invite really hundreds and hundreds of people. And I usually have about a dozen or so people that I have on a Excel spreadsheet on my phone uh, that have said they're going to be here. And if I have 12 people say I will be there Sunday, I might have a chance of two of them actually showing up. Now, you take a look at that, the odds of that really aren't that good. I pass out hundreds. Uh, open house usually sometimes, personally, I'll pass out maybe a 1,000 or so invitations. Out of that 1,000, I'll get a dozen people to tell me that they'll come, and out of that, maybe two might actually show up. That's not very good odds, but here's the, what I wanna help you with when it comes to sharing our faith, when it comes to being a fisher of men. It's not about the odds. It's not about the results. It comes down to obedience. As we look at this passage of Scripture uh, this morning and we take a look at the idea of being a fisher of men, uh, Jesus said in this case here, from henceforth you'll catch men. Uh, In Matthew, he tells them, uh, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. When it comes to catching men or being a fisher of men, our tackle box is the gospel. This is it. What we use to get people to Jesus Christ, what we use to fish for men is the gospel. The gospel is the most important message of the entire Bible. The gospel is the message of the Bible. When you take the gospel out of the Bible, you have nothing but a really good motivational storybook because the gospel is the story of Jesus Christ from beginning to end. When you take the gospel out of a church, it no longer becomes a church because the gospel is the business that we're about. Uh, Paul said in Romans chapter uh, one, verse number 16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The power of salvation is found in the gospel. If you come to who we call a Baptist church, every single Sunday of the world, you're gonna hear the story of Jesus Christ and what he's done, we call that the gospel. At some point, regardless of what we're talking about, we're gonna get around to the fact That You and I have broken God's law, Jesus Christ died in our place, and the only hope that we can have for this life and the next is through Jesus Christ. That is the gospel. Again, it's really important that we define terms. We've been taking a look at this on Sunday nights as well uh, in the book of uh, Galatians where Paul writes to them and says, you believed another gospel, which is not really another gospel. There are fake gospels out there. We want to be very clear what the real gospel looks like. The real gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for the sins of man. That's what the gospel is. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for the sins of man. You and I have sinned against the holy God for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Because of our sin against the holy God, we have earned ourselves a place in hell. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, Romans 6.23. Romans 6.23. Just about every week we talk through these verses. These verses are found on the back of our invitation card that you have inside your bulletin. You can follow along with that if you want to. And the idea is this, because we sin against God, we must pay the price for our sin. The price of our sin is death in hell, separated from God for all of eternity. The Bible speaks in Revelation chapter 20 of the second death that's coming when those that are judged for their sin, that's where you and I deserve to be judged for our sin and cast out of God's sight for all of eternity in hell to pay the price for our sins. That's the price of our sin. But the good news is God loves you. John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God doesn't want you to die. I don't want you to die. So God made a way for you to live eternally. And his name is Jesus Romans chapter five, verse number eight, but God commendeth or demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You deserve to die, I deserve to die, but Jesus died in our place. He said, I'll take Anthony's sin, I'll put it upon myself and I'll pay the price in my body for his sin. And Jesus died for my sins on the cross, but he did not stay dead he rose again the third day victorious proving that he was the victor over sin death the grave and he lives forevermore and that's why jesus christ is our living hope because he is resurrected and he is alive but i must choose to put my faith in him as my savior i must choose to allow him to pay for my sins i cannot pay for my sins on my own I cannot just hope that my sins eventually will get paid for. I must repent of my sins and put my faith in Jesus Christ. The Bible says that if we're willing to do that, that we can be saved or born again. The Bible says in uh, Romans chapter 10, that if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, we can be saved. Saved from my sin, saved from an eternity in hell, saved from a uh, messed up a relationship between me and God, I can be saved, you can be saved. And if you're here today, today and you don't know for sure that you're saved, you need to make sure that that of that today. Another word for the word saved is born again. Jesus says in John chapter three, no man shall see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. That's John chapter three, verse number three. You will not go to heaven if you are not saved. Jesus himself said that. There's no other way to heaven other than Jesus. He said in John chapter 14, verse number six, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus says he's the only way that you're gonna make it to heaven and you must be saved, you must be born again. Friend, if you're here today and you do not know for sure that heaven is your home, you must make sure of that today. When we go to tell other people about Jesus, we want to tell them the story of the gospel. Jesus died for you because he loves you. Another way to say that, uh, to paraphrase the gospel, I guess you could say, was that Jesus died in place of sinners. So it's not only the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for the sins of mankind, it's also the idea that Jesus died in place of sinners. We sometimes refer to this as the substitutionary atonement. I deserve to die, but Jesus died for me as my substitute. Because Jesus was perfect, because Jesus was sinless, he could die in my place. But I can't die in your place because I have my own sin I must deal with. You can't die for my sin because you have your own sin to deal with. It requires someone who's never sinned, who owes God nothing, that lived a perfectly sinless life, that would die in our place. He was Jesus, and he died for your sins. Another way that we can, uh, again, paraphrase the gospel is the idea of God, man, Jesus, response. God, man, Jesus, response. God is perfect, sinless, holy, holy. Man is deeply flawed, has sinned against God, has rebelled against his law, and is deserving of God's judgment. Jesus came and died in our place, but you must make a response to the gospel. You can accept it. Your sins will be forgiven. The Bible says God will take your sin and he'll cast it as far as the east is from the west and he'll remember it no more. Or you can reject the gift that's given to you. You have to to choose one way or the other. If you choose to reject God's sin, the Bible says that there's nothing else that can be done for you. The only hope that you have is in Jesus Christ. And if you reject the salvation that comes through Christ, there's no other way to have your sins forgiven. There's just not. And I've met people before who they say, well, I'm not ready to accept yet but I'm not really rejecting either. I'm just kind of feeling this thing out and kind of seeing where it goes for a little bit. It's important to understand if you have not accepted the gospel, you have already rejected the gospel. That's the default position for the gospel. You already rejected it. And until you accept it, you are under God's wrath. It's a a heavy place to be. Uh, John chapter 3 again says that those that believe on the name of the Son of God, there's no condemnation, but to them that believe not, to them, the wrath of God abides on them. That's heavy. But that's the gospel. That is the big deal. That's what separates Christianity from every other world religion that there is. Not that we have to do something to hopefully get to heaven, but that Jesus has already done something so that we can be forgiven. That's the gospel. That's what this church is about. That's the mission of our church is to share the gospel with every single human being on planet Earth. That's why we exist. Now, there's other good things that you'll be able to get. We'll be able to teach you how to, how to raise your kids and how to have a good marriage and how to live a life that pleases the Lord and we'll uh, have a lot of fun and community and stuff like that. Those things are good, but the mission of the church, the big deal is the gospel, it's what we're all about. Because if we don't tell people the gospel, no one will. There's a lot of places that you can go uh, on our island to meet up with like-minded people and hang out. There's apps that you can download to get together and, and play, uh, play soccer, play volleyball at Alamona Beach Park on a Saturday afternoon. You can meet like-minded people somewhere else. You can get together and have sing-alongs with other people if you wanted to. What makes us different? The gospel is what makes us different. Jesus Christ is what makes us different. We're different from any other place on the planet because of our hope that's found in Christ himself. Now, if that's our mission, what do we do with it? We go and we tell people about Christ. It's called being a fisher of men. Being a fisher of men is about being intentional with the gospel. Let me say also, if our tackle box is the gospel, it's important to understand that we need other tools uh, to help to uh, explain the gospel better. Uh, for me i usually read probably about a book a month on a uh, gospel presentation and evangelism and ways that i can share my faith better because i want to grow in that area i'm not yet where i need to be yet in, in explaining the gospel in the simplest terms and i want to grow in that area but let me help you understand the gospel is the only message that we have and when it comes to catching men when it comes to drawing people to christ When it comes to pointing people to eternal life in Jesus Christ, let me help you understand this. The only tool that we have is the gospel because whatever you catch people with is what you'll keep them with. Think about this for a second. We have a pretty good attendance here this morning. We have most of our our, our chairs that are filled. We've got a bunch of other chairs we could set up if we needed to. But let's just say next Sunday, we're gonna give away a Cadillac Escalade. Brand spanking new we got a roll-up door on the side over here. We're going to drive it through the auditorium next week, and we're going to hand the keys to one lucky winner. And if you're here, not at 10 o'clock, but if you're here at 9 o'clock, you get two entries into the drawing for the Cadillac Escalade if you're here at 9 o'clock. If you're here at 8 o'clock, you get three entries. If you come after 10 o'clock, which I know no one in our church would ever come after 10 o'clock, but if you were, you get zero entries in the drawing. Let me just tell you this. This place would be off the chain next Sunday. And we have people standing in the atrium, people packed in. There'd be people who we ne- have no interest whatsoever in the things of God. They just want a chance to win a car. And let me tell you this. We could have 1,000 plus people next Sunday. We give away Cadillac Escalade. But what do you think happens the following Sunday? How many of those people do you think will be back? None. You know why? Because we're not giving anything away. And if people do ask about what's happening next Sunday, they're gonna say, so what are you guys doing next Sunday? Well, we're just preaching the Bible. Oh, yeah. We're not really interested in that. What if we have a a flashy show up here of of some famous worship leader that comes and leads music on a Sunday morning, and, and we get a lot of people here for that, for a really big show, and we put a lot of smoke and a lot of lights. We get some pyrotechnics and start really blowing stuff up in here and stuff like that, and we pack this place out, right? What happens the next Sunday when I come up and lead music? People are like, what is this? This is lame. What happened to what happened last week? Why? Because what you catch them with is what you keep them with. Friend, if you, keep, if you catch them with the true gospel and the word of God, you never have to worry about losing true converts, ever. That's why for, for our church, we are intentionally simple in the way that we do things. Uh, we could ha- we could hi- there are churches who hire bands to come and play their music for them. Paid musicians, professional musicians, because they want to, to have a really good show. We are intentionally simple. We do it on purpose. We can do that if we want to, but we don't want to. My messages are intentionally very simple so that whether you're a new Christian or whether you've been saved for 30 years, you can get something from the message and you can apply it. Why? Because what you catch them with is what you'll keep them with. And if we always have to have a new local celebrity or a, a new uh, gimmick that we have and some new giveaway that we're gonna do or some competition that we're gonna have to draw people in, we're gonna have to continually take the bar up But when you preach the Bible and you point people to Jesus Christ, there's no getting better than that. There's no next level for that. That's as good as it gets. And people will come not because there's a new gimmick this week, but because God is at work here. Because they hear the word of God explained to them in terms that they can understand and apply. That's what we have to keep our focus on. And so... Our tackle box is the gospel. We wanna tell people how they can know Jesus Christ by his death, burial, and resurrection. But being a fisherman means being intentional with the gospel. I don't know of anyone, maybe somebody could correct me at some point, but I don't know of anyone who's ever accidentally caught a fish before. It's never happened to me before. Uh, I mean, we were over at uh, Duke Lagoon one, one time. We'd taken our kids over there, uh, and McKeeley had a, a, a bucket, and she was chasing around fish with her bucket, and she caught a fish in her her uh, her sand bucket that she had. And uh, I, I hate to tell you this because I'm a terrible parent, uh, but our daughter Tallulah, who is, uh, she's 16 months now, uh, she went over to the bucket, and she saw the fish, and she was so excited, and she grabbed the fish out, and she squeezed it with both hands. And <laughs> <laughs> her sister McKeeley screamed, ah! <laughs> she killed the fish she's just like oh i'm a terrible parent right Uh, but she didn't accidentally catch a fish she intentionally caught it friend the likelihood of you unintentionally catching someone with the gospel very slim you're gonna have to go out of your way and be intentional there's this idea of what's sometimes referred to as lifestyle evangelism. Uh, That was popular uh, probably the 80s or so when I was coming up in youth group and everything. And the idea was this, that you'd live your life in such a way that people would wonder what's different about that guy. That people would be around you for six, eight, nine months and they'd say, I've never heard that guy swear before. I I always see that guy trying to do nice stuff. And people would ask you, hey, what's different about you? And you'd have the chance to tell them about Jesus Christ great idea but the question is how long would one have to wait how long is that process six months nine months a year but i submit to you this we have not only lifestyle evangelism but also what i would refer to as confrontational evangelism mix the two of those together i want to live a life that points people to jesus christ yet at the same time i want to say hey do you got a church that you go to me and my family we go to this great church in, in town on Sundays. Every Sunday morning we go. Our pastor's really good looking, uh, very handsome. That wasn't supposed to be funny. Um, I'd love for you to come join us. Hey, I knew something was different about you. That's what it is. You're a Christian. Great. Now we've put the two together. Hey, let me give you one of these invites. It's an invitation to our church. If you don't have anything going on Sunday, I'd love to have you join us. It's gonna be awesome. That's intentional confrontation, confronting people with their need for Christ. Maybe it's sitting down at uh, grabbing lunch with somebody during Reach Month and saying to them, what do you think happens to us after we die? You ever thought about that? What happens when we die? What do you think happens? Well, I think it just lights out for us. Well, how about you? Well, I believe that when we die, there's one of two places that we can go, heaven and hell. And I know that I'm going to heaven, not because I'm a good person, but because of what God's done for me. And I wanna share with you really quickly how you can know for sure that your sins can be forgiven. That's confrontational, intentional evangelism. And let me just tell you, it's one of the most terrifying things you'll ever do in your entire life. Let me just tell you, some of you, your palms got sweaty. Just hear me describe it. Because we're afraid of sharing our faith. And the number one reason that we're afraid of sharing our faith, it really boils down to pride. I'm worried about whether people will think of me I don't want to be labeled as that guy. What if somebody rejects God? Hey, let me just tell you, I'm, I'm gonna spoil it for you. They're gonna reject, I promise you that. Nobody bats a 1,000. Jesus himself didn't bat a 1,000. Think about that for a second. If people rejected Christ to his face, that just goes to show that there's some people that could never possibly come to the point of being able to, to wrap their mind around the idea of putting their faith in Christ. But we have to be intentional with it. First Corinthians chapter 4, verse number one says, let a man so account of us as the ministers of Christ. That word minister means steward. Or I'm sorry, servant. And stewards of the mystery of God. We took a look at the word stewardship last week where we manage something that belongs to someone else. Moreover, it's required in stewards or managers, that's us, that a man be found faithful. We've been given the gospel to manage. Are you being faithful with it? Are you being intentional with it? And let me just help you with something. My wife says that's my new phrase. I didn't know that. I say stuff all the time. She goes, you keep saying that all the time. I go, oh, that's a good phrase. She goes, no, you already say it. I was just like, oh, let me help you with something. Uh, So I just wanna help you this morning. How about that? Uh, But when you repost something that someone else posts on social media and click like for yes, click, share for amen. Let me just tell you, that does absolutely nothing for the cause of Christ. Let me help you with that, okay? That is nothing. People share stuff all day long on the internet and it doesn't amount to a hill of beans. If you want to have a difference in someone's life, yes, you can post online that you went to church. You can post a a picture of a a verse that you read or something like that. But just resharing stuff that other people post on the internet does little to nothing for the cause of Christ. You know what does something? Going over your neighbor's house, and knocking on the door and saying, hey, I made a plate of cookies for you and your family and, and I got this really good book from my church that I think would be a help to you. I just want to share that with you. You know what? That'll make all the difference in the world. What if my neighbor doesn't get saved? That's not the point. The point is that you were intentional with the gospel. That's what it's all about. Every single time we go to start, you'll know that you've gone to Starbucks behind the Kings if you go to make your coffee where you stir it and put all the the stuff in it, and there's a hui kala track there. Without fail, that's one of the places we always leave leave a track. Uh, I got a a text message from a friend of mine uh, that lives out in Kapolei a couple of uh, years ago, and he says, hey, I was in the bathroom at Starbucks in Kapolei, and I found an invitation to your church. Man, I love that. You know what happened? Somebody just being intentional with the gospel. That's the idea behind it. is I'm not just gonna let it sit. I'm not gonna hope that other people will hear. I'm gonna do my part to be intentional with it. You see, becoming a fisher of men begins with small steps. If you take a look at at Peter's story here, Peter was washing his nets. He was done working for the day. He was ready to go home. And Jesus walked up onto his ship and says, hey, Peter, can you thrust out a little from the land over here? I, I got some things I'd like to share. And He did. First small step, get in the boat with Jesus and thrust out a little ways. Then Jesus taught for a while, and he says, hey, I want you to launch out now into the deep. Peter says, okay, he launches out into the deep. Jesus says, hey, Peter, I want you to let down the nets, and I'm going to give you a catch of fish like you've never seen before in your life. Now, mind you, Peter had already been washing his nets. He was ready to go home for the day. These nets are probably already clean by this point. He's he's worked all night. He doesn't want to do this. But Jesus says, just let down the nets. And he says, I have fished all night and I've caught absolutely nothing. But at your word, I'm gonna let down the net. And he did. He put a net in. The Bible says that the fish jumped into it to the point where the, the net almost broke. And it began to break. And he began to ask for help. Hey, guys, come help me haul these fish in just one step at a time. But then came a big step at the end when he says, Peter, I want you to follow me. And the Bible says, verse number 11, they forsook all and followed him. You see, but it started with a small step. Peter could have very easily said to Jesus, hey, Jesus, get out of my boat. (laughs) There's two boats here. One of those is mine. Get out of it and get in the other one. He had every right to do that. The boat, in his mind, belonged to him. But Peter says, okay, I'm willing to take a small step. Maybe your small launch out step begins with just taking that invitation that you get. You get one in your bulletin every week. And just so you know, that invitation card that's in your bulletin every week is not for you. You know what time service starts, most of you. Um, I think some of you think it starts at 10.15, just to clarify, 10 o'clock. But you know everything on the back of that. The idea is that you take that card every week and just give it to one person. Just be intentional with one person a week. Uh, for, for me, uh, in my car, every car that, that we have, in the side uh, pocket door is always a stack of invitation cards there. Center console, usually a stack of invitation cards there. Every backpack that I have, one of the top zipper pockets, stack of invitation cards there. I was somewhere the other day I was talking to uh, a young lady and t- I was inviting her to our singles Bible study. And she goes, What's the name of the church? And I said, Who we call a Baptist church? And she said, I'll never remember that. I said, I'm so glad you said that because I pulled my backpack off and I unzipped the top, top, top pocket and I gave her an invitation card. Here you go. Here's an invitation to our church. She goes, Oh, perfect. Love it. Being intentional with that. I was at the gym this past week and I was talking with a guy and he says, hey, I am new to the area. I just moved here from New Jersey. And I said, no way. I said, no. And so we began to talk for a little bit. And I said, uh, have you found a church yet? And he goes, no, but I've been looking for one. I go, man, I'm telling you, you just happened to come across the best church in town. I'm telling you that. And I gave him the invitation to our church. And I, I learned a little bit about it. His story is uh, originally from Puerto Rico. I go, dude, we got Puerto Rican families in our church. I go, Hawaii is less than 2% Hispanic. You don't hear Spanish spoken here the way you do in Southern California. I said, but we got Spanish speaking uh, folks in our church. You got to come. I said, what kind of work you did? He said, well, I was was an attorney in in, in New Jersey, and I came out here, and I got a job with the state doing X, Y, and Z. He no way. I said, you gotta come. I said, we got some of the best attorneys in the entire island that go to our church. And I just began to try to find other ways to connect them and be intentional with the gospel. Just some dude at the gym. Just move the island. Hey, glad you're here. Could have been that, or we could be intentional. I just wanna take small steps. Strike up a conversation with somebody that I don't know. Try to share my faith with someone. That's what it means to be a fisher of men. And here's the great thing about it. Success is based on obedience, not the result. You are a successful fisher of men if you successfully fish for men. You see, if you're an actual legit real deal fisherman, you don't get paid unless you bring a haul of fish in. That's it. You can go out and work 40 hour a week. If you bring no fish in, you get nothing. You are a failure as a fisherman. But you see, fishing for men is different in the fact that it's not about how many people come to Christ. It's about your obedience. You see, God doesn't measure you based on the number of people that you get to put their faith in Jesus Christ as Savior. He measures your success based on your intentionality with the gospel. Are you passing on invitations to church? Are you sharing your faith with other people? Are you praying with and praying for other people? Are you pointing other people to Christ? Are you living your life in such a way that is attractive to people that they want what you have? That determines the success of you as a fisher of men. You see, we look at different metrics when it comes to what, the way that we deem success. <laughs> but success in God's eyes is always linked to obedience. You see, God takes care of the results It's up to us to be obedient to that, though. You see, without hard metrics, it's difficult to see process, uh, I'm sorry, progress in in our sharing of our faith. We want something to be able to check off in a checkbox. I remember when, we call it first started uh our very first sunday i think we had it was 80 something people i want to say it was 87 or so folks that very first sunday it was so exciting we had 30 people that were on loan from another church that came over to help us out with nursery and stuff like that and it was awesome we had 80 something folks here our first sunday next week it went down to like 60 the week after that it went down to like 40 and we settled somewhere around like 35 people on sunday morning and it was awesome help me just let me help you understand it was awesome just New church, excited. Every single person that walked in the front door was immediately a celebrity to us. To this day, every single person that walks through that door right there is automatically a celebrity to us. We're so thrilled every time someone chooses to come and worship with us. And it was it was incredible back then. But we would have, you know, 38 this Sunday, and then the next Sunday, we'd have 32. We'd be like, oh, man, that's tough. And then the week after that, we would have... Uh, 45 and be like, oh man, we're really starting to grow here. And the next week we'd have 27. It's just like, we're never gonna make it. And I found myself, I would be either really happy or really sad on Sunday afternoon based on one number that our ushers wrote down on a sheet of paper in the back. Just one number would make a determination in my mind whether we had a good day or a bad day. And I couldn't live like that. And I called a friend of mine and said, hey, here's what I'm going through. I said, I said our, our attendance is all over the place. I think we're doing good one week, and the other week I think we're doing terrible. One week I think we're going to make it. The next week I think we're probably going to have to close. Uh, and he said, well, are new people coming to your church? I said, man, every single week we got new folks coming to your church. Are they coming back? We have folks that are coming back just about every week, too. Are people making good decisions? Yeah, we had this guy get saved a couple of weeks ago. We had somebody made a decision to come back to Christ after living a life of a rebellion for a while. I had a guy text me the other day. He says he's read his Bible every day this week. And he goes, okay. He goes, do you have a place on your count sheet for read your Bible every week and you mark off how many people did that? I go, no. Do you have a place on your count sheet where you mark off prayed with their kids before bedtime? I go, no. Do you have a place to mark off share their faith with their coworker? No, and he goes, then you're not measuring the things that really matter, so don't worry about it. I could actually breathe again. I thought to myself, wow, you mean our success and failure as a church is not based on our attendance? It's based on the things that we can't see that are going on? Man, that changed everything for me. And I hope it gives you a fresh perspective on sharing your faith. You'll never know what an invitation to church might do for your neighbor or for your coworker. You might have, I've come across people who have invited to church today, they said, we've been looking for a church for three months and we finally just gave up and decided to stay home, but we're gonna check this out on Sunday. You never know what people are going through. There's people that you're gonna come across, you're gonna give an invitation to church, you're gonna try to strike up a gospel conversation with them that are running from God. They've rebelled against God, they're trying to get as far away as they can from him and then God brings another Christian across their path. You never know that but it requires that we be obedient to that. We can't measure success based on whether or not someone accepts Christ as savior every time we share our faith. We can't measure our success or failure based on whether or not every invitation we hand out results in a person coming to church with us on a Sunday. It doesn't work that way. That's not what fishing's like. It's about being obedient to what Jesus has called us to do, and Jesus has called us to share our faith You see, at the end of the day, though, you and I don't catch any fish at all. We just cast the net out. I think you'd be hard pressed if you were to talk to Peter after Peter had just brought in probably the haul of a lifetime for him. So many fish that he almost sank two ships. Haul of a lifetime. I think if you were an investigative reporter that caught Peter on the shoreline there and you had a camera and you suck a microphone in his face and you say, hey, Peter, tell me what you did differently than what you did all night before. You fished all night, you caught nothing, you brought in the hall of a lifetime here. Peter, what did you do different? I think Peter would say, uh, Jesus was on my ship. Did you not see that? I didn't do anything. Jesus did everything. I just threw the net out there and the fish jumped inside of it. No, Peter, tell us what you did differently. Peter would I did nothing. Friend, let me help you with something. I catch myself saying that now. Oh, man, I'm super conscious of it now. Let me share something with you. Man. When you share your faith and someone decides to trust Christ, you had little to no part of any of that taking place. God did everything He just used you to do it. Nobody thought the net that caught those fish that day was awesome. Nobody said, ooh, Peter, what kind of net are you using? Man, that was awesome. Peter would be like, "Uh, Jesus was in the boat, duh. Well, Peter, you know, you're a career fisherman. Have you ever seen anything like this before? No, never seen anything like it before. Why? Because Jesus is in charge. You see, when I hand out an invitation to church and I say to somebody, hey, I just wanna give you this invitation to invite to our church. And they say, well, I've already got a church that I go to. I work every Sunday. I wouldn't be able to make it any, anyway." No sweat. On the back of that invitation is the most important thing you'll ever read. It talks about how you can know for sure when you die, you're on your way to heaven. Did you know that at that point, my work is pretty much done <laughs> If anybody has questions, I'd be happy to answer any questions that they have about it. But at that point, my work is pretty much done. The rest of the work has to be done by the Holy Spirit of God. That's the important part about it. If you take a look in your notes, uh, John chapter 14, verse number, um, let me see here, John chapter 16, verse number seven. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter, that comforter is the Holy Spirit, will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. You see, the Holy Spirit points to people their sin. The Holy Spirit says to people, you've broken God's law and you're in danger of judgment. You need to do something about it. I I can't do that. I can just present truth. I just have to share my faith and the Holy Spirit will do the rest of it. It's interesting, too, when Peter caught this haul of a lifetime of fish. Thankfully, he had a couple of other guys that would come give him a hand. We two of his closest uh, connections over the next several years. James and John. He said, hey, guys, come over here. You're going to have to give me a hand with this. And they brought their ship over, and they filled up both ships so that they began to sink. Because fishing's always better with a friend. It's always Easier to go with another person. That's why on Saturday mornings when we have our community outreach, we'll always pair people up. Uh, Last uh, fall, we'll have it again, probably this uh, spring sometime, we had a a six-week training class called Sharing Jesus that taught people how to share their faith with another person. And we partnered them up with another Christian and they went out together because it's always better to go together. You take even Jesus when he went, went out, he had his apostles with him And I'd encourage you to find a friend that you can share your faith with, with that person. Maybe it's you and your spouse, take cookies to a neighbor and give them a copy of paid in full. Maybe you invite another family that lives down the street into your home. Hey, we're gonna grill burgers and love to have you guys over. And you have the opportunity to share just what God's done in your life around the kitchen table. Maybe it's uh, you and another coworker who's also a Christian taking another coworker that doesn't know Jesus to grab a cup of coffee and just talking about the Bible and the change that God's made in your life. I'm not talking about ganging up on people. I'm talking about finding a person that can help you encourage. It's always better with a friend. That's why we have community outreach every Saturday morning at 9.30. I'd encourage you to be a part of that. When it comes down to it, the only other option to sharing our faith is disobedience to Jesus it's kind of the end of it you you got well I don't really want to I'm scared I'm nervous hey you got two choices I'm either gonna obey or I'm gonna disobey simple as that and again I get everyone's comfort level and sharing their faith is different but I want to encourage you to grow in your comfort level so that you can take a step up in your ability to share your faith maybe you need to enroll in discipleship we've got 40-something people that are involved in discipleship right now. Uh, maybe you need to, to uh, listen to our, our uh, teaching series when we had our Sharing Jesus class. Maybe you need to read a book. Maybe you need to just grab paid in full and just read it cover to cover and try to th- think through the big, big thoughts of that. I don't know what it is, but I know every single person needs to take a step up because if you're not sharing your faith, I'm gonna tell you this because I love you this morning. If you're not sharing your faith, you're being disobedient to Jesus. Simple as that. The command that we're given, Matthew chapter 28, uh, verse number 19 and 20, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even until the end of the world, amen. Go, win, baptize, teach. We call that the great commission. It's repeated in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts chapter one. Five times we see it in the first five books of the New Testament. Why? Because it's a big deal, and it's the mission of the church. And if you're not doing it, you're being disobedient to what God's called you to do. See, telling people about Jesus is the most important thing that you can do with your life. Simple as that. I remember the first person I led to Christ was uh, a couple, Mark and Susie Hansen. I told you guys about them a few weeks ago. I remember one time when Angela and I had gone to Bible college in California, they had uh, sent us out on community outreach, and we... Um, they said, do you guys know what you're doing? We're like, yeah, we know exactly what we're doing. We didn't have a clue as to what we were doing. They said, well, here's a map. Just go door to door. Try to talk to people if they're home. If not, leave an invitation to church on their front door. Great. We can do that. So we went through the neighborhood. We're doing that. We come to a door, and there's a guy standing at the door. and it's kind of awkward that we were there and everything. I said, I said hey, I said, I'm Anthony. It's wife, Angelo. We're from Lancaster Baptist Church. want to invite you to our church services. He uh, was like, well, I don't really live here, and I'm just here visiting my mom. And I go, well, okay, it's fine. I said, well, on the back here is the most important thing you'll ever read. It talks about how you can know for sure when you die, you're on your way to heaven. He goes, wait, what'd you say? It talks about how you can know for sure when you die, you're on your way to heaven. And he goes, is this talking about Jesus? And I go, it does. And he goes, interesting. I go, what? He said, I just got out of prison. I came to visit my mom. First thing I did when I got out of prison. And he said, my mom had to run to the store down here by myself. And he said, but I had a guy when I was in prison, it used to talk to me about Jesus all the time, and he goes, "I'm putting a lot of thought into it." And he says, "You think you could share with me the verses that that talks about and tell me what it means?" Yeah, absolutely. I was with the gospel there, uh, and at the end of it, he said, "Do you think I could be saved and forgiven?" Absolutely. And so that dude in his mom's living room cried out to Jesus and got saved. Now, does that happen all the time? No, it hasn't happened since. But what were we doing? Just a couple of folks trying to be obedient, just trying to cast out the net and see what happened. Simple as that. I I did have a man made an appointment with me a few weeks ago on a Saturday morning. Kevin, he shows up and he says, pastor, I'm not saved and I need to get saved. All right then. Uh, Went through the gospel, he goes, I understand all of that. He said, I need to get saved. And he got saved. Will it be that easy every time? No, it's gonna be hard sometimes. Are people gonna mock you and make fun of you? No doubt about it, it happened to Jesus. Are people gonna say negative things? No doubt happened to Jesus himself. But the idea is not results, the idea is obedience. Seven quick thoughts on how to be a fisherman and we're done. First of all, live a life that exhibits the gospel. Live a life that looks like what people expect a Christian to be. Let me just tell you, nobody wants a fat personal trainer Nobody wants a six-time divorced marriage counselor. Nobody wants a financial planner who just filed bankruptcy. Nobody wants to hear about how great Jesus is from the the most gossiping person that they know. Nobody wants to hear about how great God is from the guy that's been unfaithful to his wife and everybody in the office knows it. Nobody wants to hear about how Jesus saves sinners from the guy that reeks of alcohol every single morning. So live a life that points people to Christ. Simple as that. So that when you share your faith, people are like, ah, knew it. I knew you were a Christian. Because we live lives that exhibit the gospel. Next, look at every relationship as a gospel opportunity. Whether it's the teller at the bank, whether it's the checkout lady at Long's, whether it's your Uber driver. We had folks come to to church uh, a few weeks ago because our Uber driver invited them. I said, who's your Uber driver? They go, I don't know. I began to ask her, I don't even know you who know, met in our church that drives Uber. Somebody that comes to our church, gave them an invitation to church, and they came. Why? Because somebody invited them. They saw an opportunity as a gospel opportunity. The guy at my, my, my gym this week, was talking with him, and he said, just move the air. Do you have a church yet? No, been looking for it. Great, found one for you. You don't have to do the research. Look at every relationship as a gospel opportunity. Next, always carry gospel tracts. On your way out, Every single week of the world, there's a, a rack of invitation cards. Take as many as you will use this week and come back next week and get some more. They're always there. That door right there and the, the front door out that leads out to the front sidewalk in our main lobby always has a rack of invitation cards. Grab some of those and, and stick them where you will be. Uh, ladies, put them in your purse. Uh, guys, put them in your man purse. I'm just checking to see if you're still with me this morning, okay? Put them in the glove box of your car. I have them in my, jet, my bag that I take to the gym. Everywhere I go, I have gospel invitation cards because I want to be ready when God gives me the opportunity. Next, be involved in organized outreach. Again, one of the easiest ways is just to show up on a Saturday morning at 9.30. This is a big launch out step for some of you who've never been on a community outreach before. I'd encourage you to do that. It's super easy. Here's what we do. We get together, we pray, we jump in cars, we go to a neighborhood somewhere. Yesterday, I think we were in Alto Valley and we just go from house to house, and if nobody's out in the yard or nobody's home, we just take an invitation card and we stick it in the front door. Simple as that, and then we move on to the next place. It's that easy. Every now and then, will somebody say something really mean, like, get off my lawn? Yes, they will, and you say, super sorry about that. I'm moving on, and it's fine. You're over and done with. i had people threaten to call the cops on me before. You can't call the cops on me. Simple as that. Uh, I know my rights, but here's the thing. Super easy. All you have to do is show up, And I'm telling you this, if you're willing to do that, God would use you in ways that you cannot even fathom. Next, get a partner to help you. If you say, Pastor, I really wanna go out. I can't make it on Saturday mornings, but I want to go. Can you have somebody that would teach me? I have probably a dozen people in this church that would love to go out on outreach with you and teach you how to share your faith. Would love it. Guys, i got a a half dozen guys that would love to go with you and teach you how to share your faith. Ladies, i got a half dozen ladies that would love to go with you and teach you how to share your faith with people. But get a partner and go with you. Pray for opportunities. I find that as I pray for opportunities, more opportunities come. And you say, well, do you think that that because you ask for it, God gives them to you? I don't know if God gives me more opportunities or I'm more aware of opportunities because I'm praying for them. Have you ever like, gotten a check in the mail for like 15 bucks and you're just like, huh, 15 bucks, what is that? And you just like kind of toss it to the side and sometimes even forget to cash it. But then there's times where you're begging God to provide for you in a way and you get a check in the mail for $15 and you just want to shout hallelujah from the rooftop and you like, just want to like, this is $15 from the Lord. What was the difference? I prayed for one of them and God answered that prayer and the other one, it just kind of showed up my way. As I pray for opportunities, God gives me opportunities, so pray. Fi- final thought, this is super simple. Just do it. Just do it. Today. Take your invitation card, give it to somebody today. Just do it, simple as that. Just Get it out. Hey, I just wanna give you this. I don't know if you've got a church you go to. I'd love to have you visit this. Uh, for us, sometimes when we're out and about on a Sunday and we go to, to uh, a store or something like that, I give one to somebody, I say, hey, I know you're, you might work on Sundays like you are today, but... We have some other times on the back here. We have a a Bible study group that meets on Wednesday nights. If you're a single adult, we have a group that meets on Friday nights. If you have kids, we have a kids amazing kids program on Wednesday nights for your kids. And I try to just do it. Take it, give it to somebody. Leave it on your desk at work. Find one person to give it to I love it. I got a, got a text from one of our men this week. He says, hey, uh, I was talking with a guy that I worked with this week. He's going through a rough spot. I gave him your phone number and, and told him to call. you. just want to give you a heads up in case he calls. I love stuff like that. I had a guy, um, one of our men called me one time. says, hey, one of the guys is working on my job. His mom is getting ready to pass away and he's super upset about it. Can I send him to you? I go, yeah, for sure. And he said, he's not saved. Great. And so. Andy came, we talked about his mom for a little while and I asked him, I said, well, Andy, what do you think happens when we die? He goes, I don't know and I'm terrified of it. Great, went through the gospel to Andy. Andy got saved. And he came the next Sunday and brought his whole family. Why? Because one person saw Andy as a gospel opportunity, not just a coworker. And he got the gospel to him and he got saved. His family got saved. Hey, look, that happens if we're just willing to do it. Step out on faith, just trust God. Be a fisher of men, it's what we've been called to do. Your only other option is disobedience. Most important thing in the world, if you're here today and you do not know for sure that heaven is your home when you die, please do not leave here until you know for sure that your sins are forgiven. But for those of us that have trusted Christ as Savior, this is Reach Month, folks. we got paid in full books on the back table. As many as you're willing to get out this week, take them. Uh, gospel tracts by your back doors. As many as you're willing to get out this week, take them and use them and be a fisher of men this week.